I want to talk to you guys about something this morning that is somewhat near and dear to my heart. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I, my name is Pastor Josh. Um, I am the worship leader here. Um, we had uh, our bass player wasn't here this morning, so I jumped on, in on bass. And, and can, you, can you guys just give a hand for the worship team, for Mary leading, um, just for ushering in the presence of the Lord? They, they did awesome. They did awesome. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but I'm going to talk to you guys about, about worship this morning. I want to start off by just really quick reading a passage of Scripture. It's found in 1 Chronicles 16. It's verses 23 through 31. And just a quick background, this is basically when kind of the commissioning of the worship that's going to take place before the Ark of the Covenant, which in the Old Testament, before, before Jesus came and gave his life for us, um, this is where the presence of God was, was to reside. And as David is kind of commissioning the, the Levites to, to be in worship, Constantly, it was it was really an amazing um, kickoff to to just w- how we see worship as it is today. But I want to read through these verses real quick. It says, "Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim His salvation day after day, declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deed among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens." Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all ye families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in splendor of his, in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Man, what, a, what an amazing exhortation uh, to God's people to, to seek his face in praise and in worship. Um, I want to start off by just going ahead and admitting and just being completely truthful to you guys that I have a, an agenda today. Uh, I'm not going to try to hide it or to sneak it in at the end. I'm going to tell you guys just straight from the very beginning that I have an agenda today. And what that agenda is, is I want to see the year 2017 as we are kicking off this year I believe that the Lord has great things in store for this church. Um, I also believe that many of those things are going to come about as we learn as a church to go deeper in our worship with the Lord. Um, I believe that God is omnipresent, that he is everywhere at all times. He's in all time and all space. Um, but yet there are moments in time where we've, we've, we find that God physically manifests his presence and that comes, I believe, many times through worship. And I believe that one of the reasons for that is even though we don't necessarily always think about it this way, uh, worship is actually a, a lot more of a conversation with God than what we realize. That as we, as we are pouring our praise on the Lord, that he so often responds with a touch and with his own voice. So, so I want to I see the worship of this house kind of just transformed. Um, and that as we, as, we catch more of the, as we catch more of the Lord as we see him, that we just continue to, to respond with praise and that he would respond with a new touch. Um, this morning, I'm hoping to answer three questions. And these may be questions that you've asked before. It may be questions that you've never thought of. But those questions are this. Number one, what is worship? Number two, why do we worship? And then number three, how should we worship? Now, before I continue any further, I do want to clarify that worship is not just simply uh, contained to these four walls. Worship is not just um, what we, you know, we call what we just did. That was our worship service. That is, that is, that is our worship service for Sunday mornings. But, but worship is something that should be involved in our everyday lives. As we are pursuing the king, as we are, as we are 
seeking to go deeper in relationship with him. So worship is not just what takes place on Sunday mornings. However, what takes place on Sunday mornings should be the overflow of what our week has been with the Lord. It should be the overflow of our, of our week as we come together and we have been pursuing the Lord as we have been, been worshiping the Lord in our own time. And it should be a body of believers. These Sunday mornings should be a body of believers coming together with one voice and, and one heart, and that's to, that's to give honor to our King. Um, however, for today, that is kind of my purpose, is to encourage you guys in how we praise and how we worship in this house so that whenever we do come together, we can experience the Lord in, in greater measure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, before I do that, I, I kind of want to quickly share just kind of my personal story of how uh, the Lord called me into worship. I actually got a chance to speak to the youth um, just earlier in December, and I shared this story with them, but I've never kind of shared my story here at, at church. Um, I grew up. I grew up in a family that was geared towards ministry. My my father, he was uh, an associate pastor and a children's pastor um, until I was about six years old, and then he uh, made a move. God moved him into the secular marketplace. But he always impressed upon us to have hearts for ministry, to have hearts for serving the Lord, regardless of what we were doing, whether it was full-time ministry or whether it was working in the secular marketplace, that we were to have hearts that were set before the Lord and that, that were geared towards honoring our King. So I, I didn't necessarily have um, any aspirations for being in, in ministry, for being in full-time ministry, but I, I knew that my life was to give honor to the Lord um, in some capacity. I didn't really, didn't really know what that was. Um, but when I was 14... Um, I, we had a, a youth group, just kind of a, a small youth retreat that, that our youth group was going to be taking. Um, but before that, I had another summer camp. This was during the summer. I had another summer camp that I was going to. So on Friday, I got to the, to the youth meeting late. So by the time I walk into the building, they'd already been in worship, and worship's going on. The music is loud. And so, you know, kind of being a 14-year-old kid, it's, you know, get there late. You kind of feel kind of awkward. So, so I'm just kind of standing towards the back, just kind of observing. Uh, observing things that are going on, and uh, just kind of just waiting for things to wrap up, really. Um, but my youth pastor's wife, she sees me, and she kind of walks back with a, a kind of a smirk on her face, and she just kind of whispers, I dare you to go up to the front. Well, I'm a 14-year-old guy. I pretty much take any dare that you give me, regardless of how smart it is. Um, so I, whatever, you know, okay, I'll go up to the front. So I, so I go up to the front, and I don't know the song that's going on, so I don't really know what to do, so I'm kind of looking around. Everybody seems to be having a good time in the Lord, so I'm just like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just kneel. I don't, I don't know what else to do, so I'll just I'll kneel down. So I kneel down, and I'm just kind of talking to the Lord. Um, I don't think there was anything special or anything in particularly uh, profound that I was saying to the Lord, um, but all of a sudden, um, I hear the Lord's voice speak, and he says, kiss the floor. Kind of like when Samuel got up and was like, you know, going to, you know, the priest and like, Did, were you talking? You know, I, I kissed the floor. I'm like, so I'm, whatever, that, you know, it was pizza I had for lunch, whatever. But, but I, so I close my eyes again, I'm just, and I'm, I'm seeking the Lord, and I hear it again, kiss the floor. And I, and I know it's the Lord. I know it's the Lord. And thank God it's dark in this room. <laughs> thank God it's dark in this room, because there's a couple of things going, going through my head. A, this is like, the tile in this room was probably laid in like the 1950s. There's no telling what's on this floor. Something, there's no telling what's been tracked in by, you know, whatever 30 teenagers that have been running through the woods and stuff. There's no telling what's on this floor. So I'm on my knees. I've got my face already kind of close to the floor, and I kind of, kind of look around. Once again, thank God it's dark. And I pucker up, <laughs> and I kiss the floor. 
and my eyes were closed because I didn't want to look at the four as I was kissing it. That would be awkward for both of us. But, but anyway, so I kissed the floor, and I, and I had my eyes closed, and I immediately hear the Lord say, open your eyes. And I open my eyes, and I see the feet of Jesus in front of me. And it was immediately just, I just started to weep, and I, and I heard the Lord say, this is what I've called you to do. I've called you to minister at my feet. And at the moment, I didn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily thinking that it's like, okay, that means I'm supposed to be in full-time ministry again, or that it was even supposed to be involving uh, music ministry, but I knew that the Lord was calling me to worship at his feet. So worship for me came from a very deep encounter with the Lord um, that, that I wasn't expecting. Um, but what is worship? Let's answer that, that first question. What is worship? Um, not to, just to put it simply, um, I call it worship. It is giving due honor to God. Um, it is uh, when we think about all that God has done, when, when you imagine the, the universe, I mean, I often, I often think about the, the the vast expanse that is space, and as we are uh, growing in science and our ability to see deeper and deeper into space, and we see more stars, and we see more galaxies, and we see all these things, and, and you start to process like the greatness of God, okay? You start to process the fact that, that, that he not only made everything in the earth, that he spoke the stars into existence, the fact that, I mean, constellations amaze me, and there's probably some scientific explanation, but I just, I just say God. Um, but like to me, the fact that Orion has always been Orion, even though there's meteors that are flying through space, there's no gravity, even though you know, the, the, the planets are revolving around the sun, something has kept Orion looking like Orion for as long as we've been here. Something's kept the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper in relation to each other. And I think, I'm like, how is that possible other than God? For everything, all this stuff to be flying around through space, and yet constellations, they, they stay the same. And so, so to me, worship is like looking upon the things that God has done and saying, my God, you're amazing. It's expressing our, 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 just our amazement at the Lord and just for, for who he is. Um, you know, I, I love that so, the song that we just sang this morning. You know, great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. It's your breath in our lungs. I love thinking about the fact that just like if I, if I truly believe that Adam was the first man on the earth, and I do, then I believe that his DNA has passed. And if we could, if we could see it, I've got the, the same DNA somewhere in, inside me that Adam did. Which means that God, when he formed Adam out of dirt and he breathed his very own breath into Adam, I've got the breath of the living God inside of me. So, so I, I, I just think about those things. I think, God, you're amazing. So I love that song, It's Your Breath in Our Lungs. I want to, I want to read a, another, another chapter. Uh, I want to read Revelation chapter 4. Most of us will know as we get into this, most of us have probably heard this. We all know that this is the Apostle John uh, as he is on the island of Patmos, and he's writing through the book of Revelation, and he's, he's receiving downloads from, from the Lord. And this is his, his throne room encounter. This is whenever he gets a picture of the throne room of heaven. And I wanted to read through the whole thing because, again, it, it, so, it so describes just the majesty of, of what the Lord is and who the Lord is. But it says that after this, I looked, and there before me was a door. I'm starting in uh, verse 1. There's a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. 
In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So once again, what, what an amazing picture we're just given of what heaven is looking like. Um, this, the, the John, as John is trying to put into human words de, a description of what heaven is, and we all, we've all heard you know, that, that the streets are paved with gold, that, that the gates are made of a single pearl. So the majesty of heaven and the angels, we don't know. The angels are, are a created being, but we don't know how long the angels have existed. I mean, if we could quantify it in time, you know, maybe millions of years, maybe billions of years, who knows? But to know that these angels that have literally eyes all over their bodies to take in the Son of, the Son of God, that they, every time they come back around, it says they encircle the throne, and they come back around, and they catch another glimpse, another revelation of God, and their simple response is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I think, I'm like, I'm like the majesty that is our God, that, that the angels who have been there for who knows how long, they are constantly getting a new revelation and a new glimpse of our God, and how much more can, can we just continue to gaze upon the king and catch a new glimpse of his face, and it pushes deeper into worship. You know, I love the, I love the song, Revelation song. We, we've sung it here many times. There is something about that song when you get to the chorus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That song, I don't know, that song's probably eight years old by now. It's been sung many, many times. I've heard it sung in many churches. I've heard it sung really, sung really badly in churches. I'm not trying to be mean, but, but the reality is no matter, no matter when that song is played, when you get to the chorus, there is something that happens that everybody just immediately has to raise their hands. And once again, I, I've heard it sung badly, and you, but you feel the presence of the Lord when you get to that chorus. No matter how many times I've heard that song, no matter how many times I've sung it, played it, heard it on the radio, heard it done horribly, the presence of the Lord, there's something that, that engages in that moment. And I believe it's because what happens in that moment is we are literally saying the exact same thing that the, that the angels are saying in heaven. And so there's this convergence of, of what takes place where we are literally before the throne of God in that moment. And not to say that it doesn't happen with other songs, but we are literally joining with what's being said in heaven. And so something special takes place, and there's a physical manifestation that we are in the throne room of God, whether we see it with our eyes or not, that we are joining with heaven and saying the, the exact same thing that, that the angels are singing. And I believe that true worship comes from a revelation of who God is. And the more I see him, the more I'm going to praise, or the more I should praise my thought is this, worship should be the inevitable result of the created, us, catching a glimpse of the creator and responding. And I want to say that one more time, that worship should be the inevitable result of the created, catching a glimpse of the creator and responding. My oldest son, Gabriel, uh, he's five, 
and he is not a particularly outgoing, socially speaking, individual. Um, most of you have probably met him, and it takes Gabriel a little bit of time, a little while, to warm up to people and kind of be himself. Um, but because of that, as his dad, I get to see many aspects of, of him that most people don't see. I see just his goofiness, uh, his silliness, his, his wittiness. Um, it, I'm constantly amazed by just who God is making him to be and so blessed by him. Um, but I find myself sometimes he'll just be kind of in his own little space, in his own world, kind of goofing around, and I'll just sit and I'll watch him. And sometimes I'll just kind of smile, sometimes I'll kind of laugh. And uh, if, he, if he catches me looking, he'll just kind of like, what, Dad? I'm like, Mike, buddy, I just, I love you. I think, I think you're so amazing. And I'll just tell him, like, you make me smile all the time. And, and to me, that's just another picture of really how we are with God, that, that it comes out of our time spent with him, that we see pieces of his character that we didn't know before, and that it's those moments of spending time that, that it kind of just, it, it pulls worship from our heart. Um, that's why often, oftentimes in, in, our, in our worship songs, when we're singing a chorus, maybe we've sang a chorus a couple of times, and you might hear me say, or you may have heard another worship leader say, let's just sing our own song to the Lord. And the whole point of that is that the, the words that are on the screen, the songs that we're singing, the whole point, the avenue, it's just an, it's just an avenue uh, to, to get us all on the same page, to get us all looking at the Father. But at the end of the day, those are just, it's just a tool that's used to hopefully invoke praise that's in our own heart. So why do we worship? Is it because God is needy? Is it because he's insecure? Is it because we serve a God that needs his pride bolstered every now and then? Um, I would say most definitely not. Um, 1 Peter 2-9 2 says, But you are a chosen, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So we were created, we were called out of darkness so that we could praise our king. That we could pr proclaim the, the praises of the lamb to the, to the nations. There are so many benefits to worshiping the king of kings. Over and over in the Bible, we see situations uh, that turned in a moment of worship. Just like when Jehoshaphat and the Israelites, they were facing Moab, and it seemed absolutely impossible. It seemed like there was no way that they could win this battle, but God said, I am, I am the Lord, and I will be with you. And they literally started this battle. They literally started just praising the Lord, giving him glory, and, that, and in a moment that the situation changed, and the Lord moved, and they were able to overcome. But it literally started with singing praise. We praise him because we were once darkness, but now we are light. My life was a mess. Without Jesus, I look at the state that the world is in. I look at the state and I say, without Jesus, man, I would be just, I'd be searching. I'd be, I'd be grabbing at straws and so many people are in that place. So I praise him because he called me out of my darkness and made me light. We praise him because just like when Paul and Silas, when they were in the jail and they begin to worship the Lord, the jail literally began to shake and it was their praise that shook their shackles to the place of breaking and it, and it brought their freedom. And in the very same way, when we praise, when we worship our king, it breaks spiritual shackles that are on our life. Sometimes whether we know that they're there or not, when we are giving honor to the Lord, when we're giving praise, when we invite his, his presence into our lives, it, it can completely transform and break every chain and every bondage that's in our, that's in our life. We praise him because sometimes we get stuck in a valley and we wonder how long are we going to be, am I going to be stuck here waiting to get out? But when we praise the Lord, it takes our eyes off of our circumstances. It takes our eyes off of the, the muck and the mire that we're in and it puts it on the face of the God that sits above it all. And so all of a sudden, I'm not worried about what's going on in my life. I'm worried about the king of kings who's already triumphed over it. So worship takes my eyes off of my own circumstances and puts them on a king who overcomes. 
Worship deepens our intimacy with the Lord. When we sing, about, when we sing to the Lord, it's, it's an exchange that takes place because of his response. It's just like when I tell my wife, when I tell her I love her, she responds, I love you too. Most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes I say I love you because I know I'm in trouble. And she's like, mm-hmm. But, but most of the time she says, she says, I love you back. But in the very same way, when we are telling the Lord, when we say, God, I love you, thank you for your presence, I have never been in a moment in worship where as much as worship is about the Lord, as much as worship is about ministering to him, I've never been in a moment where I've been pursuing the Lord and pressing in where I leave feeling empty or feel like I've just given everything and haven't gotten anything back. Um, because that's not the way that our God works. He's not a God that we bring food sacrifices to and lay them and then we walk away and we wonder if he's seen them. He's not a God that just sits and, and doesn't respond to his people. God is living and active in everything we do. From the very beginning, from the book of Genesis, we see where God was, was walking in the garden with Adam and they were talking like, like a man to a man. So God has always desired to have interaction with his people and it happens through praise and it happens through worship. But at the end of the day, worship is a choice. Just like, just like we, we would all agree, I'm sure, that, that love is a choice. Sometimes you have to choose to love somebody. We have to choose to love the Lord, but we have to choose to worship the Lord. Um, and that is, that is something that, that I hope to accomplish today. The last thing, the last question, excuse me, is how should we worship? Now, this may seem uh, a, a bit presumptuous that, that Pastor Josh is going to tell me how I'm supposed to worship um, but it's actually not going to be me. We're going to be taking examples from the word of the Lord. Um, what I want to look at is I want to look at seven Hebrew words that, that all mean praise. Just like we know um, there's different words for love. There's, there's phileo love and there's um, um, all of a sudden agape love. I'm going to say I'm drawing a blank. But there's different words in the Hebrew language. We translate it as one word, but there's di different uh, words in the Hebrew that, that give you different specifics for the word. Um, and so in our Bible, sometimes, sometimes translations will, will give you a better definition. But a lot of times, words that our Bibles just simply say praise, if we look it up in the Hebrew, it gives a, a, very, a more specific definition of what that praise was to look like. So there's seven, there's, there's actually many, but there's seven that occur over and over and over and over. And those are the ones that we're going to look at this morning. The first one that I want to look at, look at, it's called halal. Halal means to be clear, means to shine to make show, to boast in the Lord, to be clamorously, clamorously foolish, to rave, to celebrate, to commend, and to glory. And an example of this can be found in Psalms uh, 113, verse 3. It says, from the rising of the sun to the place it sets, where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, we should celebrate the name of the Lord. We should boast the name of the Lord. We should glory in it. We should be foolish in it. This is kind of probably halal praise is probably what David was doing when he was dancing as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel, and he'd stripped himself of his kingly garments, and he was dancing around in his underwear. I thought about demonstrating halal praise for you this morning, but then I decided we won't go there. It's going to be on the web stream, archived. We'll leave that one alone. But that's probably what, what David was doing. Is he wasn't afraid to be foolish before the Lord, and he wasn't, wasn't afraid to celebrate before the Lord. So that's halal praise. The next one is yadah. Yadah is a Hebrew verb. It's uh, rooted meaning to throw or to extend hand, to throw out the hand, therefore to worship with extended hand. In Genesis 29, 35 says, she conceived again and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise or this time I will yadah 
so the Lord, so she, to the Lord, and so she named him Judah. So this time, I will lift my hands to the Lord, and I will praise my God, for he has, he has allowed me to conceive a son. So I'm going to lift my hands, and I'm going to praise the Lord. The next one is Tadah. Now, Tadah is rooted in the same word as Yadah, but it's a bit more specific. It's an extension of the hands in praise and in adoration for blessings not yet received. I love Tadah. I love the fact that God has given me some, a, a way to praise him for things that I haven't seen, but I'm still expecting. That he has given me an ability to say, I'm going to glorify God for something that I'm expecting for him to do. And it's in my praise that I'm expecting to see it, to see it come to pass. So Psalms 26, 7 says, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. So proclaiming aloud what the Lord is going to do and telling of everything that he has done. Okay, so I bring Tadah praise whenever I'm speaking out and declaring what the Lord is going to do. The next one is Shabbat. Shabbat means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph. Psalms 145.4, one generation shall praise your works to another. One generation shall Shabbat your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So we're to, we are to shout the works of the Lord to the generations. I'm to take my sons and I'm to declare the works of the Lord to them so that they can then do it to their sons and to their daughters. We are from generation to generation to praise the Lord by shouting and declaring his works to the next generation. Barak. Barak is the next one. It's to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration. It's to be prostrate, to fall down. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 20. Then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and King. So David said to the whole assembly, Barak the Lord, to, 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 to kneel down in, in adoration before him. The next one is Zamar. Zamar is to sing and praise accompanied by a musical instrument, or sometimes just to praise him on an instrument. Um, this is one of my personal favorites as a musician. There are times when when just playing, playing music sometimes, for me, it, it, it conveys my heart better than what my words can. Um, and if you've, never, if you've never just worshipped to just instrumental music, man, I'd, I'd suggest you give it a try. Because there are moments in time where just words aren't enough. And music will just pull on, on your heartstrings and it will connect you in ways to the Lord. And sometimes express just things that are in your mind that we have a hard time uh, expressing with our, with our mouth. So Zamar, it's in First Chronicles, it's chapter 16, verse 9. But sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. So sing with an instrument and tell of his wonderful acts. And the last one is tequila praise, not tequila praise. That's a completely different one that we don't talk about in church. But tequila praise, to sing aloud songs of joy. Tequila praise might do that. Songs of joy of, of the greatness of God and spirit. Isaiah 61 verse 3, I love this verse. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So when we are in mourning, we are to sing praise, a joyous song of praise to the Lord. And you know, I just want to stop right there because I was, as I was going over my message yesterday, um, I just honestly, I felt a pause of the Lord. I believe that there's probably people here this morning. Um, in fact, I learned after I, I, I worked, I know, I know there's people here this morning that you're going through a rough time, that you are in a moment of mourning, and we have scriptural precedence that we can put on a song of joy as we're praising the Lord. And that he trades our mourning 
for joy and that he brings restoration to those things. So I just want to encourage you in that, to, to, to begin to put on a song and a praise of joy. So why, why did I just go through these seven types of praise? Um, was it just to uh, spout off a bunch of funny-sounding words um, and give you meanings? Um, the reason I went through, through these seven words is because I have grown up in church. Uh, I've been in church my whole life. I've been leading worship since I was 14, so I've, I've been to many churches and, and seen the worship. I have led worship in many churches, and there's something that I kind of see that has become a pattern of, uh, of the church, and that is that oftentimes we, we tend to revert to treating uh, worship like a spectator sport. Um, oftentimes, you know, we come and we know that we're going to sit and receive the word from the pastor, and we're going we're to receive that, but sometimes we, we kind of tend to treat uh, worship in the same way, and this is kind of where, where all these things that are supposed to be influencing our life throughout the week, hopefully, are going to start to infiltrate our, our services. Um, you know, you know I've, I've done it too. I've had times where, you know, especially as a worship leader, sometimes you can, you can go into a church and I can find myself, you know, analyzing everything, analyzing, you know, whether or not they, you know, the guitar is in tune or whatever, um, but, but I find so often that, that, that we can become spectators, and, and I find it funny because as I look at us as Americans in particular, you know, I look at, you know, we were just watching, you know, watching football a lot yesterday. Obviously, a lot of the bowl games were going on. And there's something about professional sports and, and I'm honestly, high school, whatever, whatever. Grown men turn into 12-year-old little girls at a Justin Bieber concert. <laughs> I mean, we will scream our heads off. We will jump and shake and drive. We'll paint our faces and look like complete fools for, for a game. And I'm, I'm guilty of it. Man, I, rem I remember when, when David Freeze, man, he hit the bomb that, that kept the, the World Series going in 2011. I was screaming, I was hollering, I was jumping. And so we get, we get excited about these things. And then we come into church and we feel like we have to be, you know, reserved. Because that's just not how I worship. That's just not what I'm comfortable doing. And I, and I really, I'm not, I don't say this in, in a, hopefully you're not getting this in a condemning tone. Because that's, that's not my intent at all. Because like I said, I've done the exact same thing. But hopefully as an encouragement, that we, we serve a God who's so much more worthy than apathy and complacency. And he's so much more worthy of me saying, this is just how I worship. I'm so grateful that the kingdom of God is not based on this is how I do things. Because God has given in his word very specific instructions on how to, how to approach him, how to praise. And I believe that these seven words are just, it's just a portion of the fact of how we can praise the Lord, how we can be experiential in our worship with the Lord, and not one of them looks like this. Waiting, waiting for something else to happen, waiting to be entertained. But just like, just like in Romans, it says, it says that we're to live, offer our bodies as living sacrifices. If I've offered my body as a living sacrifice, that means I'm no longer my own. That means I no longer reserve the right to just serve God and worship God the way that I see fit but I'm to serve God and worship God the way his word actually commands me to do so. So I say all of that to say that I want to see 2017 for all of us. And I'm not saying we've got to be like David and start becoming absolute fools. I'm not saying we've got to go completely crazy, but I want to see us as a church pushing the boundaries of where we've been comfortable um, before. If you've, never, if you've never raised your hands, to so start just raising your hands. And sometimes, listen, there are times I, I lead worship here every Sunday morning, and there are times that I come in as the worship leader. Don't judge me. I don't feel like doing it. Okay, there are times when I don't feel like praising God, but I'm so thankful that even though Jesus didn't feel like dying on a cross, he did. I'm so thankful that even though he didn't feel like spilling every bit of his blood, he did. 
And so I have to remind myself that it's not about what I feel like doing, but it's about what God's worthy of. Brother Gary, he gave uh, a, a prophetic word earlier in December um, about the year 2017. Many of you heard it. But he said that, that 2017 was going to be a launching of this church. I believe that every prophetic word requires action from God's people. We're not meant to receive, whether it's individual or if it's as, uh, as a congregation, we're never meant to take a prophetic word and just sit and wait for it to happen. So I believe that that part of what needs to take place in the church, if we're going to continue to grow as a body, if we're going to be, continue to grow as individuals, and we're going to continue to see more of the Lord's presence poured out in this place and see our community affected, that, that worship is going to be playing a, vital, a, a vital role in that. And that if we can transform how when we come into this place, that we come in, all of us, ready to pursue the Lord at higher levels, ready to pour everything that we have into seeking the face of the Lord and to saying, God, I'm giving you praise and honor and I'm expecting a physical manifestation to take place. I believe that, that that's going to be part of what just pushes us deeper into his presence. I believe that as, as unbelievers come into this place and they see a group of people that they, they go, there's something different about these people. They, they know the power of God and they respond. Okay, that's, that's my hope, is that, that we know the power of God and we respond to it, um, that, that, that we, we will just fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. It was, you know, the Bible says that, that, that God inhabits the praises of his people. Okay, it was in worship when, when the Levites, when the Levitical priests, when they were worshiping God and his presence fell so strong that they could no longer perform their priestly duties. Man, that's, those are the kinds of experiences that I believe are available that as kingdom believers, that there is so much more of God than what we've experienced. And we've experienced some amazing times in this church, but I believe that there's so much more of his presence. Just like the angels saying, saying, holy, holy. I believe we can get to a place where we are in this room and man, we're just all sitting here just in complete and utter awe of who the Lord is as he comes and he visits us in this place. So I just want to encourage you guys as, as I'm kind of wrapping this up here, um, let's, let's choose to worship the Lord in deeper levels in 2017. Let's choose to, to take our own lives and, and throughout the week saying, if, you know, if, you're, if you're joining us on the web stream, man, sometimes I know watching a computer screen, that can be awkward. But man, what better place than the privacy of your own home to just start in, in, start in training yourself to, to pursue the Lord and to give him praise and to give outward expressions of the Lord. But let's begin to, to change our mindset of when we come into this place, we're not just coming in to fulfill a weekly ritual we're not just coming in to, to get the little bit of Jesus that we need for the week, but we're coming in to, as one body of believers, say, we are going after the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is worthy of everything that I can give him this morning.